Good morning. <laughs> It's good to be back with you guys. Uh, last time I was here in January, so it's nice to see the first three feet of your state. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, borrowed, I borrowed Pastor Mark's Bible, you know. I just, he doesn't know that, but I went into his office, just grabbed it. Uh, and me and Mark were friends for a while. We, we used to, we attended a conference once with Ken Davis, and we sat in the back, and we didn't listen to anything. We were just laughing together, and that's how we became friends. And uh, this, this uh, April, hopefully, we're going to the Middle East together. Going to Saudi Arabia and hopefully Egypt and Lebanon, and Pastor Mark's going to teach uh, his marriage seminar. I'm going to do some comedy and translate for him. He's excited, uh, and I'm excited because I can get 40 camels for Pastor Mark. <laughs> a Caucasian American who's a pastor, I mean, that's worth a lot over there. But don't tell him that. He's a, and people always wonder, like, I'm a comedian. I teach the Word of God probably 20 times a year. But what's the difference between a pastor and a comedian teaching the Word? I'll tell you. One time I was teaching at a church in San Diego. And after the service, people want to pray with you. A pastor would weep and cry and feel with them. <laughs> This lady came to me. She goes, could you pray for my brother? And I put the pastor's heart on. I said, yes, I will. She goes, my brother, he's 32 years old, never had a job in his life. All he does is sits on his recliner and watches TV all day. Last night, the recliner malfunctioned and closed, swallowed him, broke his leg. The remote flew in the air and landed on his front teeth and chipped him. And, and she's crying, I'm dying. <laughs> She goes, are you laughing? I said, no, that's the Holy Spirit. Stop. Close your eyes, lady. Let's pray. And I'm like, I can't think of anything to pray. And I'm like, Lord, I pray for the lazy boy. Uh, not the recliner. I mean, not the recliner, not her brother. <laughs> That's the difference. So if you need prayer after the service, Pastor Lathan would love to pray with you. Unless it's serious, then we can pray. But uh, I have a question for you guys. When are you guys going to finish working on your highways? Every time I came here, same detours, you know, these orange creatures working on it. These people, when they die and they're running to the gates of heaven, they're going to be orange cones that will lead them to hell. Because the whole highway system is the work of Satan. Yeah, you think of him as someone who's wearing a red suit and a fork. No, he's wearing an orange suit and a shovel. But, uh, but it's good to be here. You know, I'm, I am from the Middle East, but ever since September 11th, I feel so Mexican. <laughs> And I'm really upset at BP, people. Two months, there's an oil leak. They don't know what to do with it. Two months. Give it to us Middle Easterns. We know about gas stations and gas. We're 24 hours. We'll have a floating mobile gas station, a little cigarette shack, some drinks. 24 hours, it'll be done. We'll dry up that thing, but I don't know. I love, I love everything about this country, except going to doctors is painful for me. You know, you call the doctor in this country, who do you get on the phone? The receptionist who thinks she's a doctor. Hi, I'm Nazareth, I'm in pain, I need to see the doctor. What's the problem? The problem is you didn't go to medical school. That's the problem. When can I see the doctor? Oh, he doesn't see patients on Tuesday. How about tomorrow? We don't know if your insurance cover that. 
No, I don't have an HMO. It's not a PPO. It's called no, no, no. That's my insurance. When's the next appointment? Next year? I'll be with the Lord by then. Can I get a second opinion? May I speak to the other receptionist? That's why they have two receptions. Get a second opinion. I got one six months later. I went to the doctor. I forgot what I called him for. But if you cancel, they charge you. And what do they do? You go inside there. They give you a questionnaire. 4,000 questions about your family history. Don't fill it out. If you're paying that kind of money to see the doctor, don't give him a clue. <laughs> he went to school. He should know what's wrong with you. Just right across the form, adopted. <laughs> Check me out. Remember they used to have a clipboard? Now they have a crate of papers to fill out. They have a forklift. Beep. Here you go. So I'm filling out. You know, I had to come back three visits just to finish the paperwork. By the time I was done, I had to go back, change my age. The area code, our address changed. My wife left with the kids. They need a dad. Come back. So I'm... And then by the time I'm done, she goes, what are you here for? I go, I have muscle spasm from writing all these forms. And then they, they take you there, and then there's a room where there's like 2,000 magazines. You wonder why? You'll be done reading all the articles before they move you into the holding tank. <laughs> yeah, that small cold room where they leave you there until you heal. <laughs> and just to make sure you're not going to leave the room, they make you take your clothes off and wear the robe. I'm going for a sore throat. Why should I take my clothes off? <laughs> it's always freezing in that room. You wonder why? Just in case you die and they forget about you. <laughs> you don't stink till they get you. <laughs> it always sounds like the book of Revelation. When's the doctor coming? <gasps> we don't know. Anytime. Like a thief in the night. In a twinkle of an eye. Here's a white robe. Just be prepared. And then you're there embarrassed, humiliated. You're just sitting there. And what do you do? You start opening the drawers, looking in there. Try the machines on you. Steal some rubber gloves. Then the door opens and you sit like you're moving. <laughs> oh, doctor, I healed already. <laughs> I'm glad you came back in my lifetime. <laughs> and and I, I, I did not mean it. I went home with their bathroom key in my pocket. And a big piece of wood stuck to it. What did you work for, BP? I don't know. So I called him. I called the doctor's office. I got the same angry receptionist from six months ago. Oh, he found the key with a comedian who stole it. I didn't steal it. I took some gloves. You have to bring it right now. There's people waiting here. Oh, <laughs> I don't deliver keys on Tuesday. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I have allergies, bad allergies. I'm allergic to even plastic flowers or whatever, anything allergy. I went to the doctor and he goes, you're allergic to sand. Like, what? I'm from the Middle East, man. Come on. I grew up in the Gulf area. Come on. And he goes, you're also allergic to fairy animals. Fairy animals? My whole family is fairy animals. <laughs> I'm serious. You know, you're like Caucasian, American, Westerns, babies. You're beautiful. You're born with little fuzz and beautiful eyes. We're like hairy babies. We look like coconuts wrapped in a towel. <laughs> I, I would love to continue with comedy, but I have a powerful message from the Lord that I want to share with you. And it's powerful because it is the word of God. And please open to 1 Kings 17. 
First Kings 17, the wonderful story, one chapter that will answer the question, what to do when the, when the unexpected takes longer than expected? What, what do you do? What do you do when the unexpected takes longer than expected? So let's start with Elijah 17, beginning on verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe, the Engiliad, said to Ahab, Ahab was the king at the time, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there'll be neither dough nor rain in the next few years except at my word. This man didn't live in Wisconsin. He couldn't say that. <laughs> Can you imagine now there's this prophet, just a prophet. He's standing before the king and saying, It will not rain till I say so. What a wonderful honor that was given to him by God to be able to be in that level and that position. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kiriath Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. What? Crows going to feed me? Lord, I was just here. I was before the king. I'm the one who's going to tell it when it rains and when it's not. Why would you put me there? I'm going to have crows and ravens feed me? No. Come on, Lord. What are you doing? That's the first thing that happens when the unexpected takes us. Uh, we need to put our ego aside. We need to... Lord, I was a supervisor at that company. I was making that much an hour or that much a month. I'm not going to take a lower job. I can't. I can't. I was their boss. I can't. I was at that. What is people going to say? Me doing this? I'm getting dead. No way. And God goes, okay, what else do you have? <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I know I'm sick. I'm not going to tell anybody. My ego won't let me. I don't need anybody's help. I can handle it myself. I'm not going to let anybody know I have that disease or that sickness. I don't want help, really. Okay. You know, God sometimes allows things to happen, to put our, to work within our ego and just to put it aside. And you know what happens? It's interesting. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to Kariath Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Is, is birds bringing food to humans, is that natural or supernatural? That's not normal. That's a supernatural action. Well, have not Mr. Elijah obeyed God? You think he would have got the food? No. Obedience leads to supernatural solutions. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. Oh, come on! Come on! I settled for the ravens. I was just against them. I'm embarrassed. I'm humiliated. But I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do this. And now you do this? What are you getting at? What are you, how far are you going to go, Lord? Just take me. How far are you going to go? Wow. But you know what? He went. He went. He listened. That's number two. What do you do when unexpected takes longer than expected? Do God's will regardless of you approving of it. Just be obedient. 
obedient. So, and what happened after that? He did. And he got to, so he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. Here's a widow that doesn't have anything. It's like, can you, can you bring me some stuff? And she said, As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm, I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a, a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Oh, feeling sorry for myself. Isn't that what happens to us sometimes when we go through trials? Oh, you want me to help you? Let me tell you about our situation. Let me tell you. What, oh, the church wants us to volunteer and give money. Come on. Are you kidding? Do you know what I'm going through? I'm, I'm, I'm losing. I may just lose our house and we become homeless and we die. I'm just going to, I may just die. I don't know what's going to happen. We might die. Come on. That's what happened. We feel sorry for ourselves when we shouldn't. We are God's children. We can call him Daddy, Abba. We shouldn't let trials do that to us. We should be strong. But you know what? This is what, what Elijah knew. Elijah, Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. This is what Elijah said. He said, I know something about God. I'm a prophet. There's an order with God. God is a God of order. And his order said, you give to me first, you give to God first, and then I will take care of you. And you can't change that. Even if you're a widow and have nothing, you cannot change that. If you get a penny, that 10% or the beginning of that, the first fruit of that goes to me, and then I'll take care of you. That's an order. And if you don't, you don't follow it, it's up to you. I know me, you know, me and my wife, I mean, I've been doing this for 21 years. I've been a comedian. I've been married for 14 years. Not once we had a check that we knew was coming next week or next month or next year that was consistent. Nothing. We lived by faith. One thing we did, we always gave God first. And to this day, not once God shortchanged us with anything we needed. We wanted some stuff we didn't get, but everything we needed was always met. Why? Because we always apply that, that principle. Always give to God first. And if, you, if you're not into that habit, start it and watch and see. Watch and see how every need you have will be met because that's a promise from the Lord. So what is number three when the unexpected takes longer than expected? You give to God's work. Why? It focuses you back on who's in charge. It focuses you back on where the resources are coming. It focuses you back to know that, that whatever money I'm making, or whatever things that's happening, is coming from the Lord. It's not from me. And uh, let me just quickly, funny story too. Yesterday, my wife was talking to a friend, a neighbor used to live with us. And the, her, her husband lost his job for three months. They didn't pay the mortgage. And, and, and she said, when, the day before she saw my wife at VBS, she goes, you know what? I got a check yesterday for exactly the three months of, of mortgage from my college. I don't know how many years ago. They said, you overpaid us, and here's your money back. Wow. 
And my wife goes, wow. I said, honey, you shouldn't say wow. That's what's been happening in our life for the last, you know, 14 years. And we, we have so many stories how God, boom, sends the exact money in the right time. It just wears you out because you want to control it. I want to know what's going on. But here, so this is what happened. So Elijah said, so he said, don't be afraid. And, you know, and she went away and did as Elijah had told her, obedience to what happened? Supernatural happened. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. Is that natural? No. It's supernatural. In keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So, what happened after that? Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. And she said to Elijah, what do I have against you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? What are you doing here? I start going to church and this is what happened. I give my life to Christ and this is what happens. Problems happens. Let me remind you. Here's a widow with her son. He's fine. And here's a widow with her son. He's back breathing and fine. What happened? A trial. Quickly. Why? Why did it happen? Because God wants to teach her something. Sometime later, okay, and then, give me your son, Elijah replied, and he took him from her arms and carried him upstairs to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Oh Lord my God, have you brought tragedy also upon this widow I'm staying with by causing her son to die? Wow! Elijah the prophet that stood before the king and said, It's not going to rain till I say so didn't know God's next move. He didn't know that God was going to kill her son and bring him back. He didn't know. At that point, he has a dead boy, and he didn't know what to do. See, sometimes we, especially men, we get so controlling to say, Lord, I need to know what's the next step, Lord. Lord, I need to know my five-year goals, my ten-year plan. I need to know, I need to be in the, in the light to see what's going on in my life. And God laughs at you at that point. No, you're not in control. I'm in control. I take care of things. Okay? I'm not going to tell you what my next move. And then sometimes we worry ourselves. What's going to happen? Okay, Lord. Okay, so, so I don't have a job. So what is that? I don't see anything. The market doesn't say that there's any jobs. What am I going to do? Well, okay. Well, the doctor said this is, there's no medication for this or there's no solution, long-term solution. What am I going to do? And you start worrying. Well, I know my wife. I know. I know when I get her that upset, she'll never forgive me. And she, I don't know how we're going to deal it. And you're always worrying yourself. What's going to happen next? And God said, you know, supernatural things happen when, you, when you're obedient. You don't have to need to know the next step. So what is number, number four in the when the unexpected takes longer than expected? Don't expect an explanation from God. Don't expect God to show you what's the next move. Sometimes he does, and many times he does not. It's okay. Just be obedient. Take the next step by faith. So what, what happened after that? So he, then, so he got the boy and... And he did. Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child, carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Nothing happened. Then the woman said to Elijah, Oh, now she was here. Now she's here. She said, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth 
is the truth. Wow. Wow. This whole trial, Lord, you let me go through it so you'd prove to me that you are God and you're the truth and you will take care of me. How amazing. Put your trial right here. You're here before the trial happened, whatever health, finances, relationship, whatever it is. And, and you're going through, you're right here. You're going through it right now. And it's taking longer than it should. And I just want you to know that you're going to get here. And you're going to say, thank you, Lord. Now I know you're in control. I know you love me. I know you're going to take care of me. And I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson. So what is number five? The widow, when she was saying to the man of God, why did you come here? Why is this happening? She probably was looking at the bin of flour and the, and the jug of oil. Did she forget there was a miracle that just happened? Something supernatural just happened? Isn't the same God that made this flower full and the bin of oil full? Isn't, couldn't he do something with her kid's life? Sometimes we forget. You know, one time, uh, I, I went with Chuck Colson's ministry. for We visited about 200 prisons or more. And one time we were in Indiana at a prison. And after we finished talking to the inmates, we went into the chapel with them. And when I entered the chapel, they were writing on both walls of the chapel. And on one side of the wall, they had just writing. And on the other side, exactly the same number of words, almost. And I asked the chaplain, where is that? He goes, whenever we have a prayer request or we have a prayer or a need from the Lord, we write it on that wall. And when it's answered, we write it on that wall. It's great. If you don't have a prayer journal, start that. Even on, on your computer, Microsoft Word, or, or buy a little book. And just on one side, whenever you have a prayer request, just write it. Lord, help us. We're taking our son to the hospital. I hope it's nothing serious. Please don't make it like anything serious. Lord, I don't have the car payment this month. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I trust you. Please provide the car payment. Lord, please, I'm having some issues with my children, and I don't know what to deal with my teenager. I just need your prayer for this situation. Give me wisdom. And write it down. And come back to it a couple months later. Wait a month or two. And go back and look at them. And I can guarantee you, nine out of ten of them, you'll check. Oh, God took care of that. This never happened. Oh, this was God completely responded in a different way than what I expected. And you start doing that, and you go, oh, now I know God's word is truth. Now I know he answered my prayers. It's so encouraging when you have a prayer journal. So that's number five. Number six, this is what they did. Say, be thankful for the truth that was revealed to you. Be thankful for the truth that revealed, is revealed to you. I've been around the world. I've seen, I can guarantee you there's billions. I'm not saying millions. Billions of people go to bed every night. Not knowing that they're going to make it, that God is happy with them, or they're going to make it to heaven or anything. They are praying five times a day. They're fasting for a month sometimes. Some of them are, 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 are hurting their bodies. Some of them are just, you know, they're just suffering themselves and trying themselves and, and, and just doing, staying in temples for days and worshiping animals or whatever it is. They have no clue. If God is happy with them or not, they don't know. And they hope that, Lord, maybe one day, if you're in a good mood, my good works are a little more than my bad words. 
bad works like uh, like a grocery store you know the scale is like a little better hopefully you let me in heaven if you're kind enough that's a lot of agony to live with all your life but we if you're a christian if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says, this is one truth. I'm just taking one truth from the Bible. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For by grace through faith you have been saved. It's a gift from God. Not by works, lest anyone shall boast and brag. It's not by works. You know how many people live in this country? I just think it's by their good works they will be saved. You know how miserable that is? To think that you, a sinful person, that, that you can please God with your good works? No. The only way to please the Lord is by putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me, for example, take Pastor Lathan. And let's assume Pastor Lathan is a perfect man, never sinned, doesn't even think anything wrong, and his words are always perfect. Let's say, for example, I take his wisdom and his words and put them together. For in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was... What does the Bible say? And the Word was... The Word was God. So the Word of God, and the Word became flesh. So I'm taking the wisdom of Pastor Lathan and the words of Pastor Lathan, and I'm making them into flesh, a human flesh. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and beheld his glory. And what am I going to make him a human? How can I get the people to listen to him? I'm going to give him the title, my son, the son of God. And we beheld his glory, the glory of an everlasting son of God. Wow. So our Lord Jesus, God himself, the word of God and the wisdom of God, perfect. That's why he couldn't sin. Because the word of God is perfect and the wisdom of God is perfect. And he became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw him. And what did we do with him? What did people do to him? They spat on him. We don't need the word of God. We don't need you. We don't need your wisdom. We want to do what we want. And finally, they killed him. And how did they kill him? Well, God has a sense of humor. If I want my words to be seen, just like my Martin Luther did, I would go on the wall or on a tree, and I will nail my words. What do you do when you do a garage sale? What do you do? You put it on a wall, you put on a on a tree, and you hang up, and you want people to read it. And Jesus Christ was crucified on a tree, on a cross, and he was nailed, that the whole world can see that the word of God is there, and they spat on it, and they tried to destroy it, but three days later came back because the word of God will not go down. That's exactly what happened. God himself became man, lived a perfect life. And in due time, he went to the cross to satisfy, to cover for your sin and mine, to pay for whatever guilt we did towards God, that we broke God's commandment, we, we, we ignored God's wisdom, we didn't read his words, but we, he died on our behalf that one day, if by faith we put our faith and trust in what he did on the cross, we will have eternal life. What a beautiful truth that we can, we can share. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead that we can have life and victory over the things that hold us back. So, what do you do? Be thankful for the truth that was revealed to you. 
And finally, I want to share number seven. You know, look around. Look around. I, I did that last time, but I'm going to do it again. If you're, if you're a cancer survivor, would you stand up and remain standing? Please. If you're a cancer survivor, stand up and remain standing. Thank you. Yes. Please. As painful as the chemotherapy, as painful and horrible the feeling you get, and, and the depression that the medication causes, and all the horrible stuff, I can tell you from experience of my, you know, my brother, my family members and all that, that when you get here and you can say, oh, thank you, Lord, my life is different. I'm so thankful for life now. I'm so thankful for you, Lord, because I know, I know you take care of me. And you know what? Nothing else shakes you now anymore. Little things used to scare you. It doesn't anymore. You know? I just, it's just the way that the Lord allowed this trial that you can say, now I know God is true. Now I believe in him. Now I know he loves me and he takes care of me. God allowed it to happen. Some of you are sitting down. You're worried that, oh, I'm going to have a doctor's appointment next week. I have a blood test. I have family members who had cancer. Therefore, I'm going to get it. And you're, you're scared. You're shaking. You're worried. Guess what? Talk to these people. Look at them. And you go, you know what? If God allows you to go through it, guess what? He's going to take you through it. And you're going to be thankful. Amen? Thank you so much. Now... How many of you have been through financial hardships and, and lost businesses and lost jobs and then you, it's normal again now. Back, you're back to normal. Would you stand up and remain standing for a second, please? Okay. The rest of you who are afraid that you're going to lose your home because you lost your job or you're never going to get a job again and you're going to die and become homeless in the United States of America and nothing, and, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Guess what? These people have been through the same thing. And they can tell you, it was hard, we didn't know what's going to happen, but God took us through it. And we're thankful, and we're stronger now. And we learned so many lessons from that. And now we're much more successful because of the lessons we learned. And guess what? It's okay. If God allows you to go through it, He's going to get you across. Amen? Give me a hand. <laughs> okay, one more minute. Uh, okay, anybody... Uh, but, you know, your marriage was on the rocks. You thought you're going to get a divorce. You thought it's never going to be fixed and healed again. And guess what? You have a better marriage today than ever before. Would you stand up and remain standing? Yes. How about that? God hates divorce. It's never in his book. Don't put it as an option. God will take care of your marriage if you allow Him. Some of you are going through hard issues right now with your marriage. And guess what? You know what? If you work on it, if you allow the Lord to come and divinely take care of it, and if you are obedient, supernatural things will happen, and your marriage will be healed. It will be much stronger than it is now. So, And finally, if you lost a loved one, and you thought life was over, but God filled up the gap and filled up the emptiness, and you're okay again, would you stand up, please? Give him a hand. Some of you are afraid. What if I lose a loved one? What's going to happen to me? Guess what? I hope it never happens. But when it happens, God will fill that gap and fill that emptiness with his love. Are you encouraged right now? Thank you so much. Give me... I want to close with one. 
One time I was doing a, a youth convention in, in the mountains of California, in Northern California, and there was a man, while I was teaching through the few days, he was just smiling and happy. He's laughing with everybody. He's smiling. He's happy. It just became sickening to me. I'm a comedian, but this is too much. Yeah, come on. You're getting on my nerves. This guy, he didn't talk to me. He was just talking to people. Was just, just, just nice smile on him. And finally I asked someone, I said, what, what, what's with this guy? Why is he so happy? He goes, oh, this man last year, you should hear his story. Last year, he was in a van with his six children and his wife. And, and, and the van rolled off the mountain. And he was thrown out of the van. And the van burned. And his family was burned to death. So I went to him after that. I said, I'm so sorry about that. He goes, I said, okay, the Lord is God. I said, how could you smile again? He goes, I was so miserable. I said, I wish nobody would ever go through what I went through. But God just gave me the peace and comforted me. And now I'm just so happy. I want to bless people. I want to encourage people. And he's smiling and laughing with people. And when you hear stories like this, it makes everything else you're going through doesn't matter. It's okay. Instead of feeling sorry for ourselves, we know that God allows us to be able one day to, to look at someone and smile and say, I've been through it. You'll go through it. Amen? Thank you for allowing me to be in your midst today. God bless you. Thank you. I'm going to invite our ushers if they would come as we prepare for communion this morning and our musicians to return back on stage. <clears throat> Thank you, Nazareth, for sharing God's Word this morning and challenging us once again with the truth of God's Word and how we'd apply it to our lives and into our hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to, to, to speak to us. And I know that He's doing that this morning to many lives. And just in, as we prepare for communion, in a few minutes we're going to be partaking of bread that represents the body of Christ Wine that represents the blood that Jesus shed for us. But before we do that, we'll be sharing and praying a very simple prayer that I'm going to invite us all to pray and repeat after me. But I want to ask you a simple question this morning, just as we bring this message to a close. You know, it's a question that every single person sitting here or standing, every one of us in this room this morning can answer. I don't know about you, but I've been in situations before when I've been asked questions and sometimes back in school or maybe I've been at university, I've been in a situation taking an exam and you look at that and you see a question there and you're nervous about it and you think, I don't know whether I can answer that. And very often the question, maybe the answer that I give is, is, is not the right one. Or I even can't come up with the answer. But this question I'm going to ask is a simple question that every one of us can answer. And the question is this, do you know Jesus? Very simple question. I'm not asking you this morning, do you attend church? Are you here regularly? Do you go to church regularly? I'm not asking, do you give regularly? I'm not asking if you're a good person. I'm not asking if, if, if you, this past week, did the right thing. I'm not asking if this morning, on the way to church this morning, how did you respond in the situation with your, your wife or your husband? The simple question is, just do you know Jesus? Do you have a personal relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? That's the central question this morning. A question we need to answer. And if you this morning are sitting there thinking, well, Pastor Lathan, 
I, I'm not sure. I'm not too sure. Maybe as the message has been preached this morning, you felt the nudging of the Holy Spirit. By the way, that was the Holy Spirit that was speaking to you and, it, and challenging you and convicting you of the sin and making you and reminding you of, of things in your life that, that you needed to get right with God on. It was the Holy Spirit that was doing that. And if you've been sensing that this morning, we're going to pray this prayer in just a moment. And based upon God's word, when we come and we confess our sin, we repent of our sin, and in simple faith, as Nazareth has preached this morning, as we accept Christ, the forgiveness, the word of God says that we are made new. In fact, we are born again. So would you bow your heads with me this morning? And I'm going to invite all of us to pray this prayer, just to repeat these these words after me. But there are going to be those this morning that are praying this prayer for the first time, maybe. Maybe you've never prayed this prayer before. Or maybe you prayed it before, but this morning you're praying it from your heart. You're really meaning it from your heart. You're saying, I need God. I need to know Him. I need to have a relationship with Him. Would you repeat these words after me this morning? Dear Lord Jesus, something in my heart tells me I need you. I now confess my sin and repent of my sin. And by faith, ask you to come into my life as my personal Savior and my Lord. Amen.